What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all, as always. Coming to y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky, where it is an absolutely beautiful day outside here today. 60-some-odd degrees. I've got shorts on. You've got that, that sunshine coming through after a couple days of rain. And it, 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 it's that kind of sunshine that, that makes you smell lacrosse season. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. When you get that spring, spring sun going, you've got the rain, you've got the sun that comes after, st- things start to dry up. It, it, it smells like lacrosse season. It, it just does. There's something about it when you walk outside and it's, you know, 60, 65 degrees, it's getting warmer, and it smells like lacrosse season. Now, knowing Louisville and Kentucky weather, it could be 20 degrees in three days, but that's beside the point. It it smells like lacrosse season outside, and that means we're getting closer to the actual thing, February 4th, when the season officially gets underway at the Division One level. And on today's episode, we will continue our conference-by-conference conference preview series moving on to the Big East. Now, before we get into things here, want to do some housekeeping. As always, you can listen to the Eagle Cross Buggy Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Wherever you get your podcast, practically we're everywhere. Uh, YouTube.com uh, backslash lacrosse bucket, believe is how you would do that, um, is also where you can watch the show as well. Trying to grow the YouTube side of this over the past couple and in next few months as well. And it's been going good thus far. Remember, hit the like button. Hit a subscribe button helps us grow the show, helps us grow the podcast. Also, subscribe on all of your plat- all your podcast platforms. Leave the five star review on Apple Podcasts and any other ones where you're able to do so. <clears throat> Getting into the Big East here today, and uh, as always, going to start things off with my projected order of finish. In the Big East. Now, the Big East has been, I don't want to say chalky, but it's been kind of chalky the past couple of seasons. We had Villanova, you know, surpassed Denver last year to give us a little bit of variance. Uh, but really, since what, 2018, it's been Denver, Georgetown as the top two teams in the league. And, and, and I, I don't see that changing here in 2023. Uh, I have Georgetown sitting there at number one. And when the year gets done, I have Denver sitting at number two. I have Villanova at three, Marquette at four, Providence at five, and St. John's at number six. Now, as we've done here, uh, the past couple of shows kind of going to go backwards, right? Uh, Start with the bottom and then work our way up towards talking about some of these uh, teams in the Big East. And so I'm going to kind of lump 
Providence and St. John's together here in this discussion. Uh, but I, I do think Providence is a uh, kind of have a better year than St. John's for sure. I'm not lumping them together as they're the same in caliber, um, but they do have some pretty significant similarities here in 2023, each having new head coaches. Justin Tully, the former Michigan offensive coordinator, taking over as the head coach at St. John's over the summer. Bobby Benson, the former Maryland offensive coordinator, taking over the uh, head coaching duties at Providence over the summer. So we have got uh, two new head coaches in the Big East this season at St. John's and at Providence. It will be interesting to see how things go in year one. I think both teams have a lot of promise when you really look at the rosters and look at what they did last year. Providence. Um, you know, very well could make the postseason if things, um, you know, break the right, right way for this squad. And if they answer some of those questions that they have, uh, specifically defensively, where there has been a lot of success for Providence in recent years, but uh, last year and in, in 2021 as well was not uh, so great. But remember, Providence has had some really good defenses 2020, 2019 was very, very good 2018 as well, I believe. So this is a Providence team that like they've been pretty close to uh they've been they've been closer to Villanova, third best team in the league, um, you know, past, you know, four, five, six years. Um, Providence has been much closer to Villanova than St. John's and you could even argue Marquette has. Um so you know, this is a program I think is, you know, and they, they weren't too far off in a lot of the games last year when you really go back and watch the film of Providence last season. Had a lot of young guys that were able to step up there. And I really like the young players they have on this roster. That freshman class last year was pretty impactful. You look at a guy like Ryan Bell, who was uh, the, the leading goal scorer, uh, one of the leading uh, point getters, assist man uh, from the uh, midfield, he's back for his sophomore season, expecting big things out of him. And then you also have Gibson um, Linehan there, the um, face-off man who ha- had a big season there for them as well as a freshman as uh, their primary face-off guy and expecting solid things from him again here in 2023. So there's a lot of young pieces of that Providence squad and Bell and those guys just uh, just a sliver of the young talent that we saw grace the field for the Flyers last season that I think could really uh, take a step forward, a big step forward here in 2023 and help this team uh, achieve what they want to achieve. Because uh, this is a team that I, I think, again, if they if things break right for them, could go to the postseason. Um, and then in addition to those younger guys that I mentioned, you do have some veteran players. Uh, Matt Grillo is back for his fifth season there at Providence. Uh, one of the uh, top fifth year guys back, uh, really in the uh, in the Big East, returning to his school, um, and he's been phenomenal for the Flyers throughout his career. He's back uh, is going to be huge for this Providence squad, not only from a talent standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint providing some leadership to that uh, you know, younger core, if you will, that they have an experienced core 
that they have and had last season for sure. In the uh, case of St. John's, this is a program that has not won a Big East game since, I believe, 2017, um, or maybe 2016, but is it's not been pretty there at St. John's in recent history. They've had some good non-conference wins, but they've been unable to get it done in conference play, and they've been unable to really get back on track. Um, you know, it, it's crazy. Um, and I remember when I talked to Justin Terry back over the summer after he took the job, he you know, mentioned me. He's like, hey, you know, I remember when St. John's beat Notre Dame. I remember when St. John's was fighting for a Big East title. That was uh, 2012, 2013, 2014, those years. St. John's was a good team. <clears throat> St. John's has had good players there. Um, and, you know, this program can be a lot better than it has been. Frankly, should be a lot better than it has been. We know what St. John's has done success-wise in the past. We know what it's done in success-wise in other sports, such as basketball. Can that be replicated here on the lacrosse field? We'll see you one, Justin Terry, how things move forward with this program. Uh, but again, some key young talent there for the Red Storm this spring. Brian Kelly is the returner, uh, the top returner on offense, is going to be, you know, possibly that quarterback of that offense. We'll see how he does. He was a phenomenal freshman last year. Um, and I, I've mentioned Brian Kelly, I think, multiple times on this on this show throughout the fall and, and, and heading into, uh, you, you know, these preseason conversations as a guy that expect to take a step forward, expect to be. Uh, you know, much more notable this season. Uh, frankly, um, and, and I'll put this on myself as well, was frankly um, underrated, under-talked, uh, you know, not talked about as enough as he should have been last season. Didn't get as much coverage as he should have. Um, you know, partially the, um, you know, an aspect of being on a team that won two games, but still uh, a, a great player nonetheless. And then Caden Quirk, uh, the uh, son of uh, Sean Quirk, the uh, Endicott College coach and former uh, Boston Cannons, uh, PLL Cannons uh, coach as well. So uh, his son, Caden Quirk, a freshman last season there in cage for St. John's and absolutely, you know, killed it. Was phenomenal. A little up and down, as some freshmen often are there with the um, – coming into college across at that position and uh, the you know, transition that it takes at the D1 level. But by the end of the year, I mean, he was playing really good lacrosse and, and he had some really, really good performances last season. So uh, with, with St. John's, you're looking at some younger guys there as well. And, and, and they do have some veteran players, but obviously do lose some uh, key pieces uh, as has been noted throughout the off season uh, there. So, uh, this is a St. John's team that I think you, you, you have to look at this youth. You have to look at how is that going to grow up here in U1 under Justin Terry, and that's kind of what I'm looking for because those are the guys that are going to that are gonna build what this staff wants to build there at St. John's. They're going to build the foundation of that. So uh, with both Providence and St. John's, they both have phenomenal young players that showed out last season 
And that's the biggest thing with both those programs that I'm looking at this year is how do those guys progress? And, you know, can those veteran guys around them help guide that as well? And, and how far with that can these teams go? St. John's, can they win a Big East game? If they can win a Big East game and you won under Justin Terry, that would be huge. Providence, can they get back the postseason? They've not been there since, I believe, 2019. If they can get back to that level where they were, things are looking good, and you won under Bobby Benson for sure. Moving on here to the number four team on my um, final projections, uh, uh, ranking proje- uh, final standing projections, and that is the Marquette Golden Eagles. Now, Marquette has garnered from what I've heard and what I've seen, a lot of support as kind of a like sneaky team in 2023. And I would, I, I would agree with that. Certainly. Um, I saw this team play in person, uh, the first game of the year last year and uh, the defense, the Yuka Mason Woodward there uh, is phenomenal. They've got a good crop of goalies there. I know. And so th- th- this is a, a team, I think defensively, uh, can be very strong. They kind of been up and down, uh, but it can be very strong. And and Mason Woodward, you know, one of the top polls back here in 2023, uh, name to know on that back end. You also have Luke Williams, who uh, has really progressed throughout his career at the faceoff dot. And then, look, you've got Bobby O'Grady, the uh, standout redshirt freshman last year, uh, Big East freshman of the year, was a phenomenal playmaker. Uh, for this team, really ran the offense through him last year at Marquette. You're looking at the Bobby O'Grady led offense, and you're looking at the pieces around him and the other pieces around this team on both ends. They've got a solid group, man. They've got a solid group. And look, they were in some games last year that they m- might not have been suspected to be in, right? Like, I think this is a team this year, they get a year, they got a year under their belt altogether. These young guys like O'Grady are, you know, a, a, a year farther up, right? They've got a year under their belt. You look at this team and what they can do in 2023, I think there's a ton of potential here for Marquette. Marquette, they might not win the Big East. They might not be Georgetown, and they probably won't. But this is a team that I think could possibly go toe-to-toe with a Villanova. Like, it, 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 and they really well could. They very well could. With the talent this team has, Andrew Stimmel, it's, it's been kind of an up-and-down ride for the, uh, during the Stimmel era here, was hired ahead of the 2020 season. Um, no, this is year four under Andrew, under Andrew Stimmel there in uh, was it Milwaukee. They've got this new uh, lacrosse stadium that's opening up. Things look to be going in the right direction for Marquette. I would not be surprised if in two or three years we see them back in that conversation where they were uh, in those earlier years under Joe Ampo of they can play spoiler in the Big East, and they did so indeed. Uh, Marquette might not do that this year, but this is a team that very much has the talent to beat somebody they should not beat. This is a team that has the talent to go the distance and surprise a lot of people for sure. 
And you look at guys like Bobby O'Grady, Mason Woodward, Luke Williams. These are some of these key players that names you need to know with this Marquette program that I expect will have a pretty solid season here in 2023. Now, moving up here towards Denver. Denver, Denver, Denver. Excuse me, Villanova. Villanova, number three. Moving up to Villanova. Now, I first want to say this. I initially, when I did my preseason projections, had, and this is like way early when I started kind of putting these things together um, and looking at these teams, like back in the fall. I, I said, um, and, I, and I had it written down, I think Villanova is better than Denver. I said that. I had that written down. I think I said that on a podcast. With what I was able to see from Denver and with what I was able to uh, kind of parcel from the fall, plus the retirement announcement of Bill Tuney. We talked about this last, you know, two weeks ago when that took place. My my outlook on Denver has been changed. I think Denver is better than Villanova now. So I have Villanova as the third best team in the Big East once again here in 2023. But I don't think they're that far behind Denver. Like I would, if I could, I would put to A, Denver, to B, Villanova. I think these teams are and could be neck and neck when you look at what they return, what the potential for each of these teams is in 2023. Villanova last year beat Denver in the Big East semifinals, and they gave Georgetown a pretty good test in the title game. They lost to Denver in the regular season. Very, very close game in that one. Villanova got over that hump. Like they'd been trying to get over the hump and, and get back into the you know bubble picture. And this could be a team, even if they don't win the Big East tournament again this year, could be in that bubble picture. Uh very much so. And particularly uh concerning, you know, and particularly so if these other conferences out here maybe don't have the seasons we think they could have, um, then Villanova could benefit greatly. And they're always a team that, that you hear that, depending on what happens here or here or here, Villanova will and, and, and could very well benefit. Looking at this Villanova team, you've got Matt Campbell back and Patrick Daly back. You're very confident in those guys returning for their fifth season here in Philadelphia as to what they can do offensively and how they can lead your offense. These are two extremely, extremely talented players that you're going to build this offense around. You do lose Brett Baskin. You do lose Luke Keating. You do lose J.P. Basile. You lose all of these guys that were grad transfers last year. And you don't get many grad transfers in this year. Um, Villanova did not take, did not use the portal like they did the year before in getting a lot of these guys. So they are a bit younger in many respects. However, you do have the fifth year returners that, um, you know, we saw some young guys get some playing time, less experienced guys get some playing time last year. Tucker uh, Goodelli, one of those players there on the offensive 
and who you expect to step up this year. I believe he's a junior, I believe this year. Um, and so you had these younger guys who were in that mix. You expect them to step up now and these fifth-year guys to kind of be the leaders that they were last season, uh, but maybe take on even more of a role with a lot of those, you know, implemented veteran transfers gone. So uh, you do have Matt Campbell back. You do have Patrick Daly back, which gives me a lot of confidence for this offense. And I mentioned Tucker Goodelli, many other players of that caliber coming back as well with this Villanova offense, I think. They have a solid offensive core, which they can rebuild this unit around. Might not be as productive, you know, statistically as they were last year uh, with as much talent as they lose, and and you're going to have to replace that. But I think by the time, you know, we get to April, this is going to be an offense playing as good as anyone in the Big East with the talent they have, the promise that is there with that talent. Now, Mentioning uh, fifth-year returnees, you do have Chet Camizio is back at the defensive midfield spot as well, and that's a defense that I like, and this is a D-mid unit that I absolutely love. We drool over it every single year. Villanova D-mids are always pretty strong. I can't remember who it was, but they nicknamed Villanova Caused Turnover University or SSDMU. Kind of true with the amount of D-mids that they have churned out and had under that umbrella each of the past like, three, four, five years. It's been very, very good in what they have had. Brody Laporte is a top returner there on defense and expect some younger guys to step up in that defensive role as well. Chris Hovada gone, the grad uh, transfer from last season, and we saw some some younger guys step into the fold there as starters or uh, you know, role players at the pole position last year look for those guys to continue in there as well. Uh, but the biggest piece on defense that I think returns for this squad is Will Vitton. Will Vitton, the goalie, is back. And he had a phenomenal season last year. He's been the starter for what seems like a decade now. But, uh, you know, three, three, four years, he's been the starter there in cage. He's back for another season. You've you've got confidence in him for sure. Justin Coppola at the faceoff dot. This is a player I've mentioned a lot. You know, we talked a lot about players who, you know, took a step up, um, improved last year. And Justin Coppola was one of those guys that didn't get as much buzz, but he certainly had a, a great progression year in 2022 for sure, uh, going uh, you know, plus 50% in the face-off department he had had. Kind of an up-and-down career to then was was fairly solid, you know, on, 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 the, uh, on the season throughout his career, uh, but really took a step forward last year with the Wildcats, and, and you expect him to take another step forward here in 2023 as well. So when you look at all of this, Matt Campbell, Patrick Daly, Will Vitton, Chet Camizio, uh, Brody and Laporte, Justin and Coppola. Like when you look at all of these guys here, all these guys that they have back, yes, they lose a, a Luke Keating, a JP Basile, these veteran offensive players. Yes, they lose that. Yes, there are guys on the defensive end that they lose as well, right? This team holistically is pretty dang good. It's pretty dang talented. 
and they're going to be able to beat somebody once again. Um, I, I would expect the Villanova-Denver game. That is one that I am circling um, not once, not twice, but I'm putting three circles around that. Big game here in, in the Big East that I'm excited for. Maybe the, the game I'm most excited for in the Big East because I think it could uh, – it's going to be impactful for postseason play, most likely, and it's also going to be exciting as well. Now, speaking of Denver, let's move to the Pioneers, who, as I mentioned earlier, until the final season of the Bill Tierney era, uh, we said our grace on that on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, it's going to be very difficult to uh, in 2024 to, 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 to watch the sidelines and see no Bill Tierney. It's going to be weird, and it, it's, you know, uh, I, as a fan, I'm certainly going to enjoy this last season of College of Cross with Bill Tierney on the sidelines because uh, it, it's going to be difficult to see him not there. I mean, he is – I've talked to a lot of people about this. Like, when you look back at your lacrosse career, like, and you look back at the lacrosse landscape the past, you know, 20-some-odd years – it's Bill Tierney. Like Bill Tierney is the he's the face of it for many people. Um, whether at Princeton or Denver, like he is he's the face of it. You know, you look at the way defense is played now, it's Bill Tierney, man. Um, so it you know, I've said my grace on that. Gonna gonna be difficult. And y'all go and listen to that that emergency podcast back uh what, two weeks ago now when when, when we talked about about that with uh, Bill Tierney uh, retiring, so um, it, it, it's going to be going to be weird in twenty twenty four, but but certainly going to enjoy this season here, uh, his last as a college coach. Uh, now Denver specifically, certainly it's Tierney's last year. Certainly that is a huge factor. What we've seen from these teams in the past um, with you know, final coaches' seasons is a well. They've announced their retirement ahead of the season. A big year, um, a year that maybe wasn't expected. We saw that from Delaware in Bob Schoenwald's final season. Um, you know, do we see the same thing? And they didn't make the tournament, but they were very good after not being too hot for a number of years. Do we see that this year with with Bill Tierney? Do we see this team kind of rally together? And, and really play for Coach Tierney, I think so. Uh, we've seen that on a number of occasions, um, and, and I think that's a huge factor that you have to take into account when looking at this Denver team. Now, when you look at Denver, J.J. Silstrop, Brian Connell, and uh, Michael Lampert, or your Richie Connell, not Ryan Connell, Richie Connell, um, and, and Michael Lampert, kind of your top three returners on offense. And from what I was able to gather in the fall, this is a team that I think is going to be much better than they were last year. That's a solid offensive quote right there. You look on the defensive end, you've got Jack D. Bettinetto, you've got A.J. McKillio, you've got Malik Sparrow, you have got Jack Thompson in cage. And then you also have Alex Stathakis at the faceoff dot, one of the best faceoff men in college lacrosse. This is a team that's going to be good. Last year, this is a team that was not very good, frankly. I know they had some injuries, things of that nature, but it never felt like this offense got together. 
never felt like outside of the Ohio State game, I will say that, but outside and Villanova game. Outside of the Ohio State and Villanova games, didn't really feel like this team ever really came together, had any cohesion um, in terms of its offensive offensive identity, especially. Um, I think we're going to find that this year. And, and again, from what I saw in the fall, from what I gathered in the fall, this team has that. This team looks like it's going to be um, having a bounce back year after a not so good last year. And, you know, this time last year, I came into the season saying, this is not going to be a good Denver team. This is going to be a Denver team that will probably still fight for a, you know, that second spot in the Big East, which they did. Um, but this isn't going to be your average. This is not going to be your typical Bill Tierney Denver team. This team is still going to be fighting for what I believe is that second spot in the Big East. I think they could challenge Georgetown a bit more than they did a year ago and, and maybe uh, challenge them as much as they did in 2021, uh, the, the, the two, three games they played that year as well. So we'll see how Denver does. That's That's the biggest piece for me is like, we, we know what you have, right? Um, you know, this is a talented squad. We know what happened last year. And you want to get back to what you were. You want to have a bounce back season. So that's the biggest thing for me is can Denver bounce back? Can they put these puzzle pieces together unlike they were able to last year? And can they go, and I can't believe they play at Georgetown, if it, 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 it's in Denver. Can they face the Hoyas and give them the test that they need? Georgetown wasn't tested too, too much in Big East play last year. We know that. Um, I can't remember what the final score of the Denver game was, but it was not as close as it had been in past years. Can you get that back? Can you get back to that level of play? If so, this could be a special year for Denver, and I could see them certainly making the NCAA tournament for sure. If not, might have another year like last, but again, I think the Bill Tooney retirement factor is is huge, 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 and just you know, just jolts that team and, and, and just pushes a whole other level of you know motivation into this squad that we haven't seen here from Denver in you know maybe last year or even twenty twenty one. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Denver does here, but still I think the second-best team in the Big East for sure behind the Georgetown Hoyas, who despite losing um, a, a ton of talent, I mean, Dylan Watson is gone, Owen McElroy is gone, Gibson Smith is gone, but this is still a top-three team in college across, by my estimation. This is still... I should say top five, top three, five team. This is still a team that is going to, I think, bulldoze its way through the majority of the Big East, Villanova, Denver, notwithstanding. But I think the majority else of the Big East, they can bulldoze their way through. They've got a tough schedule once again. You've got Princeton on there uh, like they did a year ago. They've got Notre Dame on there. It's a tough schedule. And we're going to see what these transfers do because that is the biggest piece with Georgetown. Um, I'll first mention that you know, you've got with this Georgetown team, uh, James Riley back 
at the faceoff dot. TJ Haley back at attack. Graham Bundy Jr. back at midfield. And Will Bowen back on defense. That's an insane amount of talent back from a team that, frankly, loses a ton of talent. Zach Geddes also lost from last year. Will go down the top returning D-mid. Um, that's one area where I'm really looking depth-wise, which we know depth was an issue for Georgetown last year. That's one area where I'm specifically looking at can they get deeper. Um, you know, I've been a big fan of this Georgetown 2022 recruiting class, so I think that they're going to benefit from that very much so here this spring. Uh, but when you look at Georgetown, you know, the goalie position is particularly um, intriguing, and that was also impacted by transfer. And we'll get to the offensive transfers here in a second. Daniel Hanks comes in from Dartmouth, was a really talented goalie there for the Big Green. You also have um, the uh, sophomore now, uh, Traffenberger, is there who started a couple games last year for Georgetown. So <clears throat> it looks like it's going to be a battle between those two. We'll see who gets that nod here when they take the field in 2023. And when they take the field on, what do they play, February 11th, I believe, their first game, 2023. And they've got two solid options there in cage. Uh, D-mid, we talked about that here just a minute ago. So moving to this offense, um, this is a Georgetown team. That I mentioned loses some talent. I mentioned gains, uh, returns some talent. Haley, Bundy, the top two guys returning on offense. They also get an influx of guys offensively as well. Tucker Jordovic being the most notable of those. Jacob Kelly also coming in from North Carolina as well. Um, Brian Minicus coming in from Colgate. Uh, this is a absolute... Uh, talented, talented, talented transfer hall that they have. And majority of that comes on the offensive end when you look at guys like Dordovic and Kelly and Minikis and, and, and the whole bunch there coming in on that side. How those guys are placed, where they are put, the roles they are put into is going to be interesting. We saw with you know, Alex Trippi last season um, and and, and uh, the other transfer whose name is currently escaped my mind um, were very solid with the Hoyas last year as grad transfers who came in and found roles there um, to help this team and, and found roles that frankly were, um, you know, maybe bigger than what they had experienced at their former uh, schools. So, uh, I mean, we'll see how these transfers, where they're placed, what their roles are, how they develop in those roles. Uh, but that, that is, that's the biggest thing for me with Georgetown is, and, and, and because if they can do that, and we know the young talent they have there, we know the talent they return, that's going to help solve their depth issue. Because that frankly was the biggest thing with Georgetown last year was they weren't really deep. And I don't want to say that it wasn't because they weren't talented in their depth. It just their top end was so, so talented. They didn't really go beneath that. And uh, 
it looks like everything I've heard from from the fall and and, and all of that uh, that Kevin Warren wants to go deeper this year, and that that's going to help them certainly against top teams. I mean, you saw them lose to Princeton last year; they might win that game. Like if they, if they go deeper, uh, they might not lose to Delaware, right? Like like if they can get that depth out of these guys and particularly these young guys and have these transfers help lead them. I think the uh, the sky is the limit, or the ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan would say, is uh, for Georgetown across here in 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 2023. This is a team that I I have in my you know looking ahead, uh, you know preseason projection stuff, which we'll talk about here in a couple of weeks. Like this is a team that I have marked down right now as championship weekend caliber, championship weekend hopeful, like for sure. And uh, especially if they can get those pieces to fit and develop in those roles they need them to in terms of these transfers and these young guys coming in as well. Uh, and if these guys they have coming back, a TJ Haley, Van Bundy Jr., do what they have done and do what they're capable of doing. This is a team that is, uh, is as talented as any in the country and is certainly the most talented in the Big East by far, uh, you know, you've got James Riley at the faceoff dot. You've got Schmeiser winner, Will Bowen on defense. I mean, there, you know, there's some holes on this team that they haven't had in the past couple of years, but there's a lot of places where there's not holes, and, and, and you like what you see at each of those spots for sure. So Georgetown is the best team in the Big East, bar none. It's not even a discussion. Heading into the 2023 season, this team, Kevin Warren has built a machine there in the swamp, and uh, it, it looks like it's going to continue to roll on here in 2023. Now, we'll see how far they can go. Can they make it a championship weekend, or can they not? That is the ultimate question with this Hoyas team this spring. All right, folks, that's it for today's episode. As always, you can. Listen to the Lacrosse Bucket podcast on Apple Podcasts, where you can leave a five-star review, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and plenty of other podcast platforms. You can also watch the show on YouTube as well. Connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.